and welcome back to the Critical Cast, podcast number two of the Critical Cast. My name is Evan Jaley, partner and COO at FFO, a family office and business management firm. Uh, thanks for joining. I hope you enjoyed the first episode. On today's episode, the second one, we are actually talking with cybersecurity expert Patrick Kelly who is the chief technology officer at Critical Path Security. And this one's a little bit it there's some fun but there's some a little bit scary to be honest. There's some issues in cybersecurity that you know you think cybersecurity is only for businesses but that's not true. It actually is starting to affect individuals and families as well. So this one uh, is very important. I hope you guys like it and I hope you take something away from it and keep learning because that's really what this is about. Hearing the issues that are affecting other people and making sure that you don't become a victim. So hope you enjoy this one. Let's get started. Welcome to the cybersecurity episode of our podcast today. Uh, we are lucky enough to have Patrick Kelly, the Chief Technology Officer of Critical Path Security, on with us. Uh, Critical Path Security focuses on helping high net worth individuals and families increase their awareness around information security issues, and they help enhance their security posture. They also work with companies as well, uh, including FFO and serving as the cybersecurity firm. Uh, so uh, Patrick, welcome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hey, it's great to be here. Um, always exciting having the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And we always, we always talk about some very interesting things going on in the world, you know, and especially with the pandemic, uh, you know, there's lots of cyber fraud going on. But before we jump into uh, all those craziness issues going on, why don't you uh, just take a minute, introduce yourself to the audience and let them know what you and then what Critical Path Security is all about. Certainly. Um, I've been in the industry for about 25 years. Um, in fact, I think, I think we eclipsed that this month. Um, you know, started out in the, in the most traditional ways, just uh, network admin and sysadmin, and I moved up um, through the years to, to found Critical Path Security, which focuses on you know, increasing the security posture of our customers in, in a bunch of different ways, um, you know, be it through regulatory compliance or security audits. And, and here lately, I've been fortunate enough to be tagged for you know, television spots, and um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to help someone get exonerated from jail for you know, a double murder charge. And yesterday, we yeah. were discussing you know, how to prevent um, your car you know, being stolen while you're in it um, through you know, key fob cloning and carjacking. So it's, um, it's been a pretty wild ride. Um, I, can, I can say that we, we are not where I thought we would be uh, when I started this career so long ago. So Critical Path, as you mentioned, you know, we, we typically focus on financial firms, um, you know, wealth management um, and TPAs you know, and, and just helping them secure, you know, the financial tra transactions and, and the security of their customers. 
Right. And, and, you know, that it's interesting when, when I ask people about, you know, what's what's cybersecurity to them, everyone that's, oh, I'm, I don't want someone to break into my phone and steal, read my emails or I don't want someone to get into my bank information and make a transfer. And yes, those are cyber issues. But you just talked about something. No one is thinking, hey, someone can clone the key fob to my car and steal it. Or while I'm driving it, they can hack into the car and control it. That's a big cyber risk. And <laughs> people don't even that that's not even in people's thought process. It's crazy. It's just the technology that it's crazy. It really is. It's it's it is wild. Um, and yeah. it has become, it's become very interesting um, with the way that, you know, these worlds have converged, you know, cybersecurity, you know, just, just a handful of years ago was, was simply about, you know, protecting credit card and social security numbers and, right. you know, and, and that sort of thing. And we have moved into this more converged, you know, space where cyber attacks are having, you know, a direct fiscal, you know, fiscal um, you know, sort of impact on, on individuals, and we're finding that you know those that are you know high net worth, high profile, um, are, are being targeted you know far more often, and you know, and with fairly obvious reasons. Right, you know, I mean, I, I I've heard some crazy cybersecurity stories, and again, you're right. It it really it was always the focus on business. You know, a firm like ours, somebody wants to get in because there's personal information. You know, I I've heard stories where hackers go in through the photocopier because the copier was connected to the the internet. And of course, nobody reset the password. So the security password was something like one, two, three, four, five, boom, right on the network. And then they have access to everything. And you know, who who would have thought, right? You're going you're going in through the copier. So it's it really did. You're you're correct. It started really around the businesses and how can we protect the secure information we have on clients and you know, kind of keeping that safe. Yeah, and, and it's gotten harder, you know, with COVID and work from home. Um, you know, most organizations had all of their sensitive data and their infrastructure, you know, behind firewalls. And you would go to work and you would, you know, access things that you could only, you could only interact with if you were inside the building on a computer behind a firewall. Um, in most organizations, you know, especially in financial, um, they weren't ready to sort of turn their networks inside out, kind of like a sock, you know, because right. people you know, weren't coming to the office anymore, <laughs> um, and they really didn't have the budget or the infrastructure to go from a, you know, five percent remote workforce to a ninety-five percent remote workforce, um, you know, and. And we really had a situation, you know, at the beginning of it where, you know, you couldn't get, you know, new firewalls and you couldn't get VPN solutions, you right. know, because of, because of issues with getting it here from, you know, China and other countries that we rely on for circuitry and, and chips. So it's been, it's been a really strange sort of, um, you know, change 
that that's happened, you know, right now during this work from home, you know, COVID sort of situation. Yeah, it's uh, and of course, with tragedy, you know, obviously COVID is it's uh, a terrible thing that we're trying to fight through now. And uh, but there are people that are going to take advantage and you have to be weary. You know, and that's why cybersecurity training and constantly keeping your people up to speed on what's going on. But now, you know, what we're seeing is people, individuals, families are now really concerned about their cybersecurity protection. And that's really new. That's only happened over the last couple of years. But now, really, with COVID taking over, people are worried, people are scared that. They're going to get my personal information and, you know, they're wondering what they can do to protect themselves because they don't typically hire cybersecurity firms, you know, entities normally do that, not families. So, but there are, you know, there are things that they can do and places they can go like critical path security. So, you know, if I'm an individual, I'm worried about my own cyber, you know, what, what do I do? You know, so the biggest the biggest advice that we provide to to anyone, you know, whether they're high profile or they're just an, an everyday average, you know, middle class person, yeah, you know, not me essentially, you know, two factor authentication, you know, so you have an app on your phone or or you receive a text message or something similar, so that when you go log into your banking sites and into your you know, law sites and, and really, really any website that, that you're going to be going into and storing information that so you have that second factor. And then the other is have a password manager. Um, you know, last year, you know, we had roughly 450, 460 million, you know, credentials that were leaked, you know, due to data breaches. So far in 2020, we're looking closer to 4.7 billion. Mm. Uh, that's a lot. So yeah. if, you're, you know, if you're using the same password everywhere, um, you know, which, it, which most people do, yeah. we're all, you know, we're guilty of it. Yeah. It, you know, if you use it in that web, you know, if that website or that company gets breached, then those credentials are going to be reused against every other site that you use. Um, it's quite easy to find those things. So, you know, straight away, you know, for the individual, it, it's always password managers and two-factor authentication inside and out. Um, the concerning thing that we have seen, though, is third-party vendors that are getting breached, that are holding information. Mm-hmm. That, you know, like we had the, you know, the law firm in New York that you know, represents right. and several others. And you know, the issue with that is no matter what the individual did, you know, you have the most sensitive data uh, or nearly the most sensitive data that you can possibly share that's being auctioned off. And so you really have to be mindful about, you know, where do you have accounts online and do you trust them to store the information that you provide them? And are you being cognizant about the information that you, that you're providing them? You know, do you trust them enough you know, and trust that they're that they care enough about your privacy and security to share things such as, you know, medical tests or you know, legal action or or any of these things. Right. 
it's it's a it's a huge deal right now. Right. So so the interesting thing of uh, you know what you just said is I can be very secure, but let's say I'm you know I I have a Target online password or eBay or you know whatever a third party site and they got hacked and they get my password not from anything I did I'm very secure but they weren't they got breached and now the one way I'm not secure what you're saying is I use the same password everywhere uh oh now they've got my password to the banking to the online Twitter to you know they can mess with you in social media they can mess with you financially they can you know they can just do all kinds of things yes. so you have to protect yourself against other firms also. I mean, that just seems really hard. It just seems like maybe we should just not be online at all and, you know, fall back. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 it is that hard, um, unfortunately. Right. You know, our, our desire to, to have things and to have convenience almost always, you know, out, outpaces our desire for them to be secure. And, you know, if you're not using a password manager and using different, you know, passwords for each of these sites, then yes, if, if it's, you know, if one is, is breached, then, then yes, the rest of them will as well. So, you know, those are they're super trivial, super easy, um, but those are things to also, you know, highly recommend having in place. The other, you know, is, is challenge questions, right? So right. if you have an 18 character password and it's the only place you're using it, but the challenge question to resetting it is, is what city were you born in and where did you go to school? You know, those things we're going to find on ancestry.com, you know, or we're going to find it on Spokio or these other websites where, right. you, know, you know, you had an 18 character, super strong password. Your password now is really just Atlanta or New York. Um, so you have to be, you know, it, it's tough, you know, when, when you're looking at, at how you're doing it. So I've actually... And, and that's meaning because if I, I don't know your password, I can't get it, Patrick, I don't know, but I know where you're from. I go and I say, forgot password, and I know some of the security things that I can find on Google. Now I can make a new password, and now I've gotten in. That's what, that's what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've gotten to the point where I'm starting to go around and disable, uh, you know, or, or um, close accounts online that I, I don't use, um, right. you know, because there's, you know, I don't really trust, you know, companies the way that, that, that I used to and to be, and, you know, in full disclosure, you know, I'm in cybersecurity, so we're, we're sort of trained to be hyper-paranoid, you know, but I didn't expect for my paranoia to become relevant so quickly. <laughs> right, right. So definitely want to do those things. Um, you definitely want to remember, you know, who you provided access to, like if you're, if you're a business owner, you know, or or you manage, you know, an accounting firm. You know, one of the things that we that we see a great deal of is, you know, accounts that are left active when someone has already left. 
And we were working with the government just recently on an audit. And we found a little over 900 accounts that were related to employees that no longer worked there. And they were like, um, and then we worked with a company in LA in the film industry. And they had a, they had kind of a rotation of a half dozen, dozen interns. And they used the same username and password for every intern that came in. So when an intern or a temporary employee would leave, they could still remotely log in using the credentials because they were never changed. Um, just just interesting sort of mistakes that we make. You really have to think about you know, how you're approaching securing your data and, and your intellectual property. Well, let's so so let's say I want I, I'm taking your advice and I'm doing this password manager, but I use the same password. You said Atlanta, so let's use Atlanta. My password for everything is Atlanta one two three. Okay, and that's what I use. If I use a password manager, that's like what? Like Google? You mean Google Chrome, where it saves your password and it oh. automatically puts it in? No, no, no. I'm, 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 okay. I'm like, so there's a difference. Like, like some of your browsers will save your passwords. Um, right. Never do that. Um, right. Um, but there are password managers such as, you know, um, dual lane, LastPass, uh, one password. You know, there, there are options out there to, to use as password managers. And there are many of them, and many of them are free. Um, okay browser plugins that you can use so that it will autofill, you know, when you go to websites and that's fine. Um, but you want to make sure that you're storing them in the password manager and not in the browser. Got it. Okay. So, so let's say now I'm using one of these products, I'm using a password manager. Mm -hmm. So there's dual factor authentication to get into it. But, uh, you know, again, one of those companies got breached and now they have that one password, and I use the same one, Atlanta one two three on everything. What does the, the password manager doesn't help me, right? Well, the password manager actually reminds you because as you add the as you add the credentials, as you go to a new website and you mm -hmm. get the credentials in it. Um, for instance, LastPass notifies me every time I go to a website where that credential is all already used somewhere else. So the password managers are generally really good at telling you that you know, you've you've used this password in other places. You need to you need to got it. So it got it. Super nagging, um, you know, which which isn't exactly what we want, um, you know, but only nags you because it's 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 the good thing to do. Right now, do the, do these password managers? I've heard some of them will actually generate passwords for you, so that you don't even know what your passwords are. Right? Yes. Those are my favorite. Okay. So, does that work with any website anywhere? Yes. Yes. Interesting. And I've actually used it to store um, passwords for things that aren't online. You know, so keeping a password, say, you know, or a passcode for a safety deposit box, um, you know, credentials that I need to, to gain access at the bank to get to, you know, safety deposit box. So there are a bunch of really, really interesting ways that, that you can use it. Very interesting. So 
You know, all right. So I, I want to be secure again. I'm trying to be secure. I have this password manager um, and it's protecting me. I use even the password where it makes up a password. I don't even know what my passwords are. That means I'm pretty secure, right? So now, you know, so somebody, they, they, I'm on a plane and I'm using public Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> and they get into my phone and my phone now has all this information on it uh, because the apps that I use, they don't typically require the password. You know, sometimes you can save it. You know, you click that button, save for 90 days or anything like that, and you kind of bypass everything. Um, what happens then? Well, you know, first out of data, I, you know, if, if you're going to use public Wi-Fi, at all have a VPN, you know, connection in place, and okay. you can get a VPN, you know, app for your phone. Um, I use it on mine. Pretty much just leave it on all the time. Um, so at least in that regard, um, you know, if you're on a public Wi-Fi and you're using it, you know, the strangers around you are not going to be able to kind of peer into that traffic and, and see what you're doing. So it's super, super good decision to, you know, to use a VPN even on your mobile device. Um, because it's going to protect from a lot of those things. Now, right? You mentioned something interesting about apps, and and what I what I'm telling people, you know, pretty much every time I, I give a talk or, or get on television, it's you know, don't download apps that you don't need um, because there are there are no free apps. I, I know that we can download some applications for free, but they're not free. You know, someone someone is being paid to develop it, and generally, the way that they're getting paid is by reselling your data or your information that is being gathered in the app, or they're using it to track, you know, things you're doing, you know, location right. track, that sort of thing. And when you install the applications, you, know, you need to be mindful when it asks you, you know, can I have access to your photos? Can I have access to your phone, to your microphone, to your camera? Right. If you're downloading I, it, doesn't need that. Right. Can I act? Can I have access? To, this is my favorite, and I get it all the time. Can I have access to your location all the time, no. or just while you're using the app? Well, <laughs> no. I, 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 I understand why Uber would need access to my location because it's setting me up with Uber. But you know, I'm just looking on here. Um, why would um, YouTube ever need to know my location? You know, <laughs> I mean, why would, um, I don't yeah. know, X Xbox or, you know, it, it, all these apps that you have on there, or it, why would they need your location ever? That, that Those are a big no for me. Um, right. I, I don't, I don't want to provide my location um, so that you know where I am while I'm playing a game or I'm, or I'm watching a video or, or something similar. Um, you know, location services is a, is a super interesting, and in my, in, in, in my industry, it, it's almost a bit of a, of a holy war argument. Um, should, we, should we do geofencing? Should we collect locations? Uh, you know, if we collect them, what should we do with them? You know, we've seen individuals that, you know, have been, you know, basically 
profiled you know, based on where they're going or, or there has been false accusations that have been you know, put to them by, by data that was collected you know, without them knowing. On the other, you know, on the other side of it, you know, we've worked with law enforcement and Google to get, you know, geofencing locate, you know, location data to get someone exonerated, you know, by, by being able to show that, you know, this individual was nowhere near the home that, that these two people were killed. Um, and it, and it took, it took 13, 14 months for us to be able to get through the process of, you know, getting that data and the data being reviewed and, go into court and, 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 and all of those things. So, you know, it, it's a tough conversation to have because it's not an easy answer to provide. Do you want to give up the information so that, you know, you can use things like Google Maps, um, you know, or, you know, are you concerned about Google having access to, you know, to your behavior? It's weird. It, it's really a, a, it's a strange problem and, and pretty much everyone I talk to has a different opinion about it. Right. Uh, I just want to bring in uh, the person who's kind of helping us with our technology uh, on the podcast uh, right now, Chris Mitzlaff. Uh, Chris, I know you um, you deal with this, obviously working in cybersecurity. Uh, what what do you say? You know. Well, it's interesting. You know, I you know as Patrick said, giving up. It, it, as you guys discussed earlier, you know, everyone wants your location. Everyone wants to know, you know, what'd you buy on Amazon or, you know, people don't think about connecting their Facebook account to all of these different accounts and, and how that actually works. And, and, uh, but, um, even as far as just GPS, you know, if you disable GPS on, on pretty much any phone today, they just use triangulation from, from cell phone towers to, to recognize where you're at. Um, there was actually a study where somebody took an Android phone and went out with basically an airplane mode. And it still tracked everywhere that that person went in airplane mode. Yeah. And, and so we, we have this weird place, I think, today where everything is a signal to, to the internet companies. It's all a signal. Where are you at? What kind of things are you interested in? And it all comes down to, you know, a lot of times targeted advertising or, or just data repositories that they can build. Um, listening to the entire conversation I was on uh, with you guys earlier, it it's interesting. And, and Patrick, I love that you, you guys discussed the, you know, the password managers and how those work. Um, but people don't think about when they give their passwords away. And I'll give you an example. I was working for a company uh, doing some training around uh, one of the products that we had. And I asked one of the girls, I said, hey, I typed your email address in. Just go ahead and type your password in. And she goes, oh, it's blah, blah, blah. And I was <laughs> like, you realize you just gave me your bank account password. And her mouth dropped to the table. You know, and and people just right. don't think about those kinds of things. Um you know, and, and hopefully these kind of discussions will help make people more aware, but I wanted to yeah. add that because I thought it was important. Certainly. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Look, you know, I mean, my daughter asks me for my Amazon password. Oh, daddy, I want to buy something, you know, give me your Amazon password. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm your daughter, you know, I'm not, no, I exactly. don't, it doesn't matter because one, you give it to the wrong person. I'm toast. But even still, 
you know, it, it's you you save it on your phone. You're going to keep it in your notes. Somebody hacks into your phone. Now they get it. I mean, it's just it's no, 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 no. Exactly. Well, and the other side of that is is people have patterns in the way that they use passwords and the type of passwords they use. And so if you give right. that password to somebody once any, you know, somebody smart can look at that and go, Oh, okay. Well, they have a dog named Chelsea and you know, their favorite number is 18 or whatever. And you can start right. to dissect the password and, and the psychology of what somebody would actually use on a regular basis, because let's face it, people, when it comes to passwords, aren't super inventive. They, they hey. type in whatever they can do, whatever that can, will stick in their head. The, the president of the United States had his Twitter account hacked today because they guessed his password. Yep. And it was actually really simple. <laughs> yeah, guess. I actually saw that Fort Bragg was hacked as well, or, or yeah. that's what I saw. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if the president of the United States can have his Twitter account hacked, anybody can be hacked. That's so you got to be smart about the passwords. Uh, You know, you got to you got to just you can't you can't put it at risk. And it's hard. How do I remember all the different passwords for all the different sites? Patrick, I don't want to have a different password for every single site I have. That's that's a so then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep an Excel spreadsheet of all my usernames and passwords. And now I have a document that if that document gets stolen, you know, it's it's easy as pie to to wreak havoc. So, you know, what do you, what, what do you do? And it sounds like with these password managers, you might be able to you have one password with dual factor which gives you the protection and then the password manager makes up all your passwords and you don't even know what they are. I, I you know, and I know I'm about to invite a flame war on myself from, from the information <laughs> here, you know, but I, I would almost rather that someone kept, kept their passwords in an Excel spreadsheet because I mean, it's better. I, it's, it, it's not the preferred answer, but like I have to get the Excel spreadsheet from one singular place that's being controlled as opposed to just using the same password in 400 different places. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Someone got angry a little bit, um, a, a little a little testy, you know, that, you know, to write a password down and, and put it in their wallet, in their pocket. And, like, you know, you don't write passwords down and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you know, if the password is in my pocket or in my wallet, like, you're going to have to kick to get it. Right. You know, like, and, you know, is it really worth all that? Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, you know, that we have to do better than, than MAGA 2020. Um, <laughs> right. 2020 everywhere. <laughs> There's got to right. be a choice. No, but you yeah, see, you know, that, let's go. Let's go back to your point, Patrick. We let's. Get, you can get into his bank account because you know that's the password, <laughs> right? I mean, he he's using that everywhere. That's the crazy part. Is it's a, oh, I got into Twitter. What else can I get into? Oh, you got to keep going. I mean, if you know that's 
So, I mean, something interesting we saw in 2020, right? You know, previous years, if you got ransomware, you, you know, you either paid the ransom to get access back to your data or you just lost access to the data. And right. now, you know, true to form, like how can we take it to an even, even greater extreme? Let's collect the data, let's charge the ransom, and if they don't pay it, let's auction off the data. Yep. Nice, I know. They took it even farther with Grubman by saying, we're not even going to release it all at once, we're going to extend the pain for years. Right. Exactly. Million dollars. We're going to drag this out until your business is done. And um, man, hackers are jerks. <laughs> and if I could throw out just an idea for for people trying to figure out a way to create a stronger password, one of the things that I always suggest to people is use the title of a book. You know. If you're an author, don't use the title of one of your books, but, but, you know, obviously, but, um, you know, use a title of a book, a lot of password managers like, or not well password managers, as well as Google Dropbox, they allow you to use spaces in your password, like actually hitting the space bar. And so that is a way that you can actually create a good, strong password that is somewhat easy to remember based on your favorite book or some, you know, but use something that, that is familiar to you, but not related to you. If that makes sense. Right. Interesting. You're right. And yeah. additionally, um, hitting passwords in, or putting spaces and passwords got to wreaks havoc on password grinders. It, you know, as if we're trying to brute force an account, you know, having a, having a space in there is surprisingly effective and preventing us from being able to grind that credential out. Well, isn't it where if you add that space, you don't know where the space was added. And, you know, so now it creates 5 million additional possibilities on the password, right? Many spaces. Um, right, right. MAGA space 20 space 20. You, you just created... You know, <laughs> five million different variations of using MAGA 2020. You could have just done that, Mr. Yeah. President. Throw I an mean, exclamation point in there. He'd have been better off. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. I think he had that. I think it was MAGA 2020 exclamation point. Yes. <laughs> that was an exclamation. But all, but all lowercase, no capital letters. Yeah, you need a capital letter in there. You got to, you know. So when are you going to take on the post as a cybersecurity advisor to the White House? <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I don't think I'm up for that. You know, I certainly do not have the technical capabilities uh, that you or Chris have to really uh, handle that. But, you know, look, I, I obviously I'm working with clients and they do have those concerns and they're thinking about not only as me, the individual, but what about my family? You know, how do I control my kids? And, you know, they're posting things online that are, you know, so their uh, Facebook has checking in. Is that still a thing? I don't know. I'm not on Facebook, but, you know, where they're going all over the place and it's checking in. Oh, we are here. Oh, we are there. And you're telling the entire world where your family is at. That's yeah. great for kidnappers. I mean, you know, so it's, no, you're right. Um, 
I, I actually just, I actually just taught a class um, remotely, obviously in Argentina um, because they oh, have wow. highest, highest kidnapping rates and, and kids. And, um, and we had that conversation around, you know, stop sharing everything that you're doing. Stop sharing where you're going. Stop taking photos of your friends and posting them online. And, and additionally, we started reaching out to schools because this whole student of the week thing, that's got to go. Like we're, we're logging into Twitter and the school's got the kid's photo and they've got their birth date and they've got, you know, their full name. And you're going through it and you can take one, one tweet from the school, you know, and, and find out where the student is, find out where they live, find out where the school is. Right. And then they're posting on the sports schedules. They're posting the full names of all the kids that are going to be at the sporting events. And I was reaching out to schools going, you know, you got to knock this off. Like, we're all super proud of Johnny and Susie and Sally. And like, <laughs> right. you know, we're, we're super thrilled that, that they're the student of the week. But, you know, you don't have to post their full name and their birth date and what sports they're on and their parents' names. Like, you're going to get someone killed. And, um, right. and it's starting to get better around here because we're going and and initially, the schools and the, and the parents don't really believe us. And we'll sit down for literally three or four minutes. And we'll go pull the student and their address and their family's address and their email addresses and their phone numbers. And then we'll pull the school schedules. And we're right. not, you have to have some sort of operational security understanding that we don't live in a great world right now. Right. And, and, you know, it's it's uh, you, you think about the everyday people. I, I think it's really interesting that Argentina has so many kidnappings. I would I would think that although are, are the kidnappings in Argentina high net worth, ultra wealthy families or is it just. No, no. it's just just everyday stuff. See, that's that's right. unique. Contracts. Interesting. So I would think that uh, here uh, in the in the U.S., um, you know, we're all susceptible. Cybersecurity is important to every single uh, person, regardless of wealth. But I would think that the ultra wealthy are more at risk than, say, me, because I don't have nearly as much to lose as they do. So they have more stuff to potentially steal, I would think. Of course. I mean, we're, we're seeing it, you know, we're seeing quite a bit, you know, of these attacks being targeted against the wealthy, especially in uptick during COVID because they still have money and there are things. Right. And, and generally there is some sort of insurance around, you know, theft and ransom and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, one, you know, car theft is is high because you can clone a you know a you can clone a, a key fob for about ten bucks and you can do it over and over ten dollars worth of hardware to, to do it. Um you know so still in cars well you know if you're still a car with a wealthy person it's better still a car with a wealthy person in it. 
um, you know, if you're going to go that path, because now you can go to ATMs, which is what we're seeing, um, you know, or you kidnap mm. ransoms. It's gotten the the transition from just trying to still, you know, nude photos and and that sort of thing that was back in 2017, 2018 has now escalated to something far more sinister. Absolutely. The, the other side I'd say is there's there's a lot of, you know, especially, you know, during COVID and the lockdowns and all that kind of thing, a lot of, of people that are in that, or at least more wealthy than I am for sure, um, are in that that space, whether they're, you know, a YouTube star, an Instagram star, or have a podcast or whatever else it is, there's a whole entire reputation to protect there as well. You know, whether it be, um, you know, pick, pick a conservative star and they come out, you know, talking about things that are democratic, or maybe they had something to hide or pick a Democrat that comes out talking crazy stuff as far as, you know, Democrats would be concerned, you know, so it, there, there's the whole reputation thing to to actually protect as well. And let's face it, I think everybody in the world has some sort of secret, whether it's, you know, a big deal or not, we all have some sort of secret. And, you know, when people be when somebody is able to take over what you consider to be a private part of your life and exploit it, it's it's never good. Well, and I mean, especially during 2020, like we have, you know, just the pandemic and, and the situation and, and the desperation it's put in so many people in, um, and the division that we're seeing, you know, in the country on so many different levels, everything from, you know, uh, their politics to racism to, you know, and now we throw a pandemic in the middle of it, you know, it's just everyone you know, is a little more edgy you know, and, and sort of turned up and seeing these things happen, it, it's just not as unusual anymore. It's, you right. know, there, there's a progression because, you know, there are some people out there that they just don't feel like they have anything to lose. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, it really is. I said it to start. It's just, it's crazy right now. And I'm going to, I'm going to say the same thing now. It's, uh, so, so what what should families um, I, first of all, I'd love to have you guys on again, talk more about some other craziness that's going on. But uh, I just wanted to wrap this segment up and just say, what what is the takeaway? I am an individual or I'm a family. Um, I, I heard about the password manager, but how can I don't know what to do? You know, how do I get help doing all of these things that I should be doing? Uh, you know, I did families don't hire cybersecurity firms, you know, and so companies do. So who wh what can they do? And and Patrick, I'm leading a little bit. I know that you do work with families, you work with several of our clients on actually providing that service for the families, not just the companies. So why don't you j just kind of explain if I don't know what to do and I want that protection, what, how, how do I go to you and what could you do for me? So I think the important thing, right, is, is, is 
is to reach out. And we tell people that, you know, even if you are, it, even if you don't don't particularly want to work with, you know, Critical Path or, or if there's someone you know, we, we always direct people to um, working with, you know, firms like FFO, which I'm not aware of another firm other than FFO um, that actually makes this a service and makes this something that they're providing to help their customers. So I always, you know, I always say, hey, you know, you really need to reach out and work with a financial firm that is really taking this seriously and, and can help you, you know, do what you need to do to protect yourself. You know, and kind of moving into what does that look like? You know, it's, it's making sure that one, we understand what the attack surface is. So we're gonna look in the dark web and deep web, um, look at, you know, where you bought, you know, where your homes or, or your addresses are registered. Did you buy any property outside of an LLC? So it's actually tied to your name and making it trackable. And we're gonna make sure you have a VPN in place, password managers, um, you know, two-factor authentication, security awareness training, tons and tons of security awareness training so that you understand you know, the threats that are being posed to you and making sure that we go and erase, you know, the digital traces because that's really, you know, the goal, right, is that you don't have to protect what you don't have. And the less that you have, the more you know about what you have to work with and, and protecting it. So we really like to go and, and just reduce that, that attack service to begin with. You know, but whether it's Critical Path um, or someone else, you know, we recommend working with, you know, a financial team like FFO, um, or better yet, FFO, that is actually, you know, taking the time to reach out to their customers and saying, hey, like, we don't want to just check a box here for insurance. We really want to help you be safe. And um, I think companies like FFO and Evan make a really good trusted partner, you know, that understands their customers and understands, you know, sort of the edge cases and where they live. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I would, the advice I would give is reach out to Evan, reach out to myself and, you know, let's just have a, have a conversation and, and see where we need to go from there. And if someone uh, were to say to you, Hey, look, I'm not concerned. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. No, nobody cares about my information. You know, what, what, what's the answer or what's, how do you deal with that? No, good luck. No, my answer is always you care. You know, you may not believe that someone else cares, but you do. And what we have come to find is you know, the argument of, I'm not worried about getting breached because I don't matter. Well, you know, with this idea that your information is going to be sold to someone else, or they're going to have to go find someone interesting enough to buy your, your information. That just isn't how it works anymore. Um, the information is important enough to you. And there's enough ways to weaponize the personal information that you don't find is important, you know, you know, go and get, you know, home loans changed, go get titles changed on your house and your cars, you know, go, you know, truly disrupt your life. And I think what we're getting to now that where that topic really changes 
is the more we implement biometrics, you know, facial recognition and, and using thumbprints, right? We're, we're moving away from what I've called identity borrowing, which is, you know, if someone borrows your identity and they go get a credit card or they go and, you know, buy a car with it, okay, like, like that's bad. And, and right. sure, you know, sure, it's, it's an inconvenience. But they have not stolen your identity. They have borrowed it. You know, if we start to take biometrics, how do you get a new retinal scan? How do you get new thumbprints? You know, that's, right. that's where, and I think that's where we're headed next. Um, you know, I think we're really getting to that point where we're going to have to pay attention now because those of us that don't believe we have anything worth stealing, we don't really understand the utility of the data that we've given away yet. Right. Absolutely. Though I, I do have to say, as far as the fingerprints go, Patrick, my phone would, I can change them with sandpaper. My phone just quits recognizing my fingerprint right after that. So <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> if you've ever if you've ever done work with anything like that and then you tried to unlock your phone with your fingerprint you completely know what i'm talking about <laughs> right i mean in one of the weirdest cases i've ever you know as we close out one of the weirdest cases i've ever worked in 25 years um we were called by the fbi because there was a um there was a mass casualty event and um and the shooter had been had been killed and they were trying to get into the phone to see if there were any other plans that were going to be carried out by right. And the most interesting question I've ever been asked by law enforcement was, do you think if it would help if we rehydrated his thumb? And, and that was when I really realized that how I looked at security and, and, and prevention would be forever changed because we had right. moved way outside of, should we try these passwords or should we, we have moved to discussing the rehydration of body parts to gain access to devices. And right. uh, yeah. Um, it's a weird, it's, it's a, it's a weird world, but I look forward to the next segment. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Chris, thanks for chiming in as well. Uh, Chris Mitlaff and then uh, Patrick Kelly, the uh, chief technology officer over at Critical Path Security. Thanks very much, uh, both of you, for uh, joining. And uh, we're definitely going to do this again because I know uh, our listeners, cybersecurity is a major issue. And uh, it sounds like you've got a lot more stories to tell. Um, you know, obviously you can't tell them all, but, uh, there are some examples that people are going to want to hear because they can learn from them and realize, oh, I can be a victim. How do I prevent that from happening? So thanks very much guys for joining. Appreciate it. And, uh, until the next episode, make it a great week, make it a great day. So long. Sounds good. Thanks, Evan. <laughs>